0: Sent this email, trying to sell this course. Woke up, like, refreshed my email, hoping to see a bunch of sales come through. Nothing.
1: Oh, man. I like, was just...
0: <laughs> nothing. Zero. I thought it was going
1: to be sold yeah, out or yeah. something.
0: Not a single person had bought. And I was just like... That was, like, one of the lowest points in my life oh. where I was just like, man, I thought this was going to work. It's not going to work. Crap. I guess I'm going to have to go get a real job. Went back to bed, woke up, and I, like, refreshed my... Email that time and I had made like five sales or something. You know, it went from like the lowest of lows to just like, I just sold, you know, $150, $200 worth of stuff to people that I literally do not know. Like all these names, I'm like, I have no idea who that is. I don't know who that is. I don't know who that is. And I'm like, this is gonna freaking work.
2: Welcome back to another episode of the Screw It, Let's Do This podcast. I'm your host, Shelby. And I'm your other host, Trace. And today, we have a very exciting guest on. We have Ben from Wad Prep. Yay!
0: Hi.
1: <laughs> Wait, before we get into Ben and a little bit of an introduction about who he is, for those who don't know, the CrossFit Games are all have been held in Madison for the past, what, for a long time? Well, yeah. This is the last year, unfortunately. Ugh, I've already mourned that. But... In the meantime, this is the week of the CrossFit Games. So we have CrossFit phenomenon, trainer, everything. <laughs> That's a small CEO. intro. CEO, founder of Wadprep, Prep, Ben. So Ben, if you want to give a little intro about who you are and what, you're, what you do.
0: Yes. So obviously, my name is Ben. I run a company called Wadprep. Prep. I'm the CEO and founder of it. And that company helps CrossFitters get better at CrossFit. So essentially, a long time ago, I used to run a CrossFit gym. When I got out of college, like back in 2013, I graduated and I had two paths. I was either going to go professional bass fishing or CrossFit. And when I was weighing the options, I just won the college bass fishing national championship, actually. And I was like, do I want to catch fish for a living or do I want to make an impact and teach people how to get fit for a living? And... I decided to go the fitness route. So I opened a CrossFit gym, eventually got engaged and then married. Um, and since she was in the Navy and I was going to have to move around a lot, I eventually sold my physical location. Like I sold my CrossFit gym in Maryland and I was like, I need to do something that's location independent. So the internet is fairly location independent. And I was just like, maybe I should just start coaching on the internet. So that's how Wad Prep was born. And then here we are, eight ish years later. I'm not very good with dates and it's, numbers. Yeah, it's and been
2: around eight years. years. Yeah, I seven, watched
1: your first YouTube video. Seven there you go. years and seven months is what your LinkedIn said. Yeah. Oh,
0: so yeah, eight. see, I didn't even start my LinkedIn. My team did oh. like, like two months ago. They're oh, like, okay. we're well, starting a LinkedIn for you. I'm like, okay, whatever.
2: I was going to say, you only have three connections. So. Yeah, I don't
0: everyone, know how LinkedIn,
1: Send a connect request to Ben. I don't know how
0: LinkedIn works. <laughs> um, And yeah, basically that led me to starting an internet business. And it started with just throwing some videos on Facebook I think is where we officially started um and then it's grown every year since and now I have a team of 15 and Ooh. we yeah make a bunch of crossfit content and sell people various courses and programming and we have athletes around the world so yeah it's it's been a fun ride
1: wow so can you just tell us what does WOD prep, like, what does WOD stand for? For those so, who don't know,
0: Wad prep was one of the only domains available, oh. so I just went with it. <laughs> okay,
1: um, <laughs> it works. B- basically,
0: so uh, what I wanted to do is start a company that the name said, "Oh, this is for Crossfitters." Basically, the acronym WOD stands for Workout of the Day. So, anytime someone says WOD, you're like, "Oh, that's a Crossfitter." Like stupid, silly CrossFitters. <laughs>
2: Makes sense. Um, I didn't know what it was. <laughs> right, right.
0: So it's very niche specific. So that's why like a lot of people are like, man, your company name kind of sucks because I don't know <laughs> what it means. It's like, well, all my, anyone who would be a potential customer knows exactly what it means. Um, So it screams, this is for CrossFitters without using the word CrossFit because you're not allowed to because oh. of trademark and branding and stuff like that.
2: Yeesh. That's strange. That seems weird to me.
0: Yeah. So like, so CrossFit is, they protect the brand because it's, you know, basically it's like CrossFit is an actual company, right? So it's not just a thing you do. CrossFit is a company. So you can't... I had no idea. I couldn't be like CrossFit or I couldn't be like, I don't know, CrossFit with Ben or something like that because basically I'd have to be a CrossFit affiliate. Okay. So in order to enter the CrossFit market, but also not necessarily have to be a CrossFit stamped brand, that's when I that's why I went with wad which stands for workout of the day and basically anyone who does crossfit knows what wad means and then prep i was like i'm basically the goal is to help people get better at crossfit prepare for their workouts so wad prep was born
1: so for those who don't know what crossfit is to me i know a little bit about it but when i think of crossfit i think about people picking up tires and like slamming yeah. them around i
2: think of like those big like so i followed you for a few years like the when you get on the bar and you like do the, you know, do the crazy swing uh, yeah, swing the, thing. The thing, and the you're like getting and up, then get, yeah, and you're like okay, okay well, you can't do that. Let's try this movement. That's what I think of. Uh-huh. So what is CrossFit? Because I really don't
0: know. Sure. CrossFit, uh, the definition is constantly varied functional movements performed at a high intensity. So My
1: gosh. so that <laughs> <laughs> I I was like, is this an acronym? It's not an acronym. I know. I that's what I thought. Okay, so.
0: Yeah, so (laughs) so what that means basically is the goal of CrossFit is to prepare you for everyday life. So the movements that we do are functional. So think of squats. Like we technically all just squatted to sit down in this chair. Um, Think of pull-ups. Like if you ever need to pull yourself up. If you, uh, you know, a dip, me getting out of the chair. um, A deadlift, me picking a pencil off the floor is a deadlift. So like these are all functional movements. And then we perform them at a high intensity uh, because basically the CrossFit methodology is all about like intensity over duration. So you can get a really, really good workout done in, let's say, 15 minutes of high intensity functional movements. I can, you know, quote unquote crush myself, get a really, really good workout in, but not necessarily have to be on the treadmill for two hours. A lot of people, when they think fitness, are like, oh, I just have to out a really long time. And CrossFit came in and was like, no, if you actually do things with high intensity, so really, really crush it for a short period of time, you can actually get lots of great benefits from it. So, so
1: what's like a normal duration of a CrossFit workout?
0: So that's what's interesting about CrossFit, the constantly varied part. Anytime you go to a CrossFit gym, like if you went to a CrossFit gym you know, here in Madison for the next seven days, you would not do the same workout at all for those seven days. Actually, you'd probably go for a month and you wouldn't do the same workout. Um, you might go for a year and not do the same workout twice. Um, so I'd say, generally speaking, like most CrossFit classes are an hour long. You'll have some sort of maybe strength or gymnastics component in the beginning. And then a lot of times you'll have like a timed Metcon, so metabolic conditioning. So think, high, think like cardio, but cardio, I'm putting that in air quotes, with weights, gymnastics, run, you know, running, lifting, like everything combined into one. So it kind of touches on all the different forms of fitness, like anything you can think of and puts it together. In terms of how long a crossfit workout would be, I'd say the the actual like metcon part, the part where you're really sweaty and breathing really heavy, would probably last anywhere from you know, as little as 4 minutes out to sometimes it'll be an hour plus long, but most classes you go to, most classes you go to are going to be in that like 10 to 20 minute range.
1: Oh my gosh. I did one CrossFit class last year, like during the CrossFit games, Puma was having an activation. So I did one of their classes. I forgot who was teaching it, but at first it was like super easy. We're just going on a little jog. And then we did abs- literally planks for 10 minutes straight, no breaks. Like we're in the grass too. So my like blood vessels were popping. I'm like, Oh my gosh. Did I tell you about that? I injured myself.
0: (laughs) That was rough. Which is, which is sad. So like, I think the, the, the problem or the misconception with CrossFit, especially with like, you guys were seeing the CrossFit games. Um, and a lot of people when they think CrossFit, they're like super hardcore military people flipping tires and like, just, (laughs) and like. Beating the crap out of themselves. But realistically, CrossFit is designed to be infinitely scalable and modifiable. So anyone should be able to do CrossFit from, you know, someone who's an elite special forces member all the way to my grandmother. Right. So what's really cool is that the the original CrossFit gym that I founded, it's called Blue Crab CrossFit, which if you're not from Maryland, you're like, that's a really weird name. Um, but crabs are big in Maryland. Um so blue crab CrossFit, uh, my I have two aunts that go there. Aunts, aunts, I say aunts. Um,
1: we say aunts. We say yeah. Coast. <laughs> yeah.
0: Um, so I've I have two aunts that go there, um, and they are both in their sixties, and they go like five days per week. So oh like, my gosh! Wow. So it's like
2: runs in your family. Wow. It, not,
0: but like that's what's what's crazy is like Aunt Carol specifically. Like she had zero fitness background, zero, none, never worked out a day in her life, and then because I had just started my gym, like the whole family was like, mm. I'm buying a membership. Oh, I love yeah. that. You know, including my Gammy, who lives like four oh, hours away. Gammy. She's like, what if, I, what if I'm in town? I'm like, Gammy. And so I canceled her membership. <laughs> um, but, uh, but like, Aunt Carol joined, right? And she had never worked out a day in her life. She's terrified. She comes in, she's like, there's no way I can do this. And we take her through like a uh, series of intro classes to get her, you know, exposed to the movements. Obviously, when I tell her to do a squat or to do a push-up or to do a pull-up, right? She can't do some of these things, so we modify them. A good coach can modify for the the athlete. That's what we call our, our gym members. Pretty much right away, she was like, "Wow, this this is actually kind of fun. Like, I like this."
1: Wow! And then,
0: <laughs> and Aunt Carol literally has like, if you see her now, she's like one of the fittest sixty plus people really? that I've, like oh ever my gosh, seen. I want
1: to be. Awkward. She works out
0: five days per week like clockwork at 6 a.m. every single morning and has transformed her whole life.
1: Wow. Wow. So so like, okay, for example, I was going to Orange Theory a lot at the time, but I like also kind of hurt myself because I was running too much on a treadmill. Do you does that not happen in CrossFit? Like, you know, it's constantly changing, or if you do it too much, are you gonna hurt something? You, sh-
0: you shouldn't. Like so this there's a there is again like this negative perception that like, oh, I'm gonna get injured doing CrossFit. Like it's too hardcore. A good coach, a good gym, you shouldn't. You shouldn't get injured. Um, if people come from a sedentary lifestyle and they start going all in on any fitness, whether it's running, swimming, biking, you know, jiu like whatever, like kickboxing, you know, at Zumba, if you go from zero to 100, you're probably going to get like some nagging tweaks and injuries and stuff like that. But with CrossFit, what's cool is because it's constantly varied, it's not like you're going and running on a treadmill for an hour, four days a week, which that's probably going to bang up your knees and your ankles and your feet and stuff like that. With CrossFit, you're, you're always doing something different. So you might do a little bit of running on Monday, but then Tuesday you're squatting and then Wednesday's all upper body. So it's like, it's changing all the time. So in theory, like, I'll put it this way. I've been doing CrossFit for 16, 17 years or something like that. And I've I've literally never been injured to the point of oh like- I got injured doing CrossFit and now I can't do something for a week. Right. I've gotten little tweaks and stuff like that just because it's active. Like you're when you do things, you're like if I walk around my house, I might stub my toe, right? Like like when you do stuff that's not just sitting on a couch, you're probably gonna get, you know, some tweaks along the way, but no actual injuries. And that's because like a focus on, you know, good form, whatever that really means. And I prioritize rest. So if I'm feeling banged up, I'd take a rest day. But I think like personally being an athlete for kind of all my life, I get way more injured playing basketball, right? I've been injured playing basketball in so many, infinitely more times than I have actually doing CrossFit. Um, same thing with, with all the other sports that I've played. It's like CrossFit is what keeps me injury free because once you're like, CrossFit really promotes like being strong and flexible. Ooh. Those two things combined is like the the secret sauce for not being injured. If you're strong, you can support your body weight or you can support yourself or like moving a chair, moving a table, like I just moved the other day like because of CrossFit I was able to do all that stuff and I can get in all the positions I need to um and then being flexible is also really important. Like it's not like, you know, bodybuilding or maybe powerlifting potentially gets a bad rap cuz there's like tons of muscle but you can hardly, you know, your wipe shoe. your own butt or t- <laughs> yeah, tie your shoe, that's a better example maybe. <laughs> but with CrossFit it's like you have to, in order to be good at it and proficient at it, you need to be strong and flexible. You need to have cardio. So it's like, it's everything combined. And that's, I think, why it's, uh, yeah, why it's caught on so much and why I love it so much.
2: So have you always been into it? So first, I just want to know where you grew up, Maryland. Maryland. Okay. And then how you got to Colorado, how how everything kind of came your to fitness,
1: be. Oh gosh, your fitness journey. Also, yeah. I just want to say after that whole preaching, I'm like, I need to sign up for a CrossFit class,
0: and you um, should like. There's there's tons of really good gyms in Madison. Like a lot of gyms will offer like a one week trial of some sort. You in? and and you're gonna like you're gonna like you're gonna try it. and There's gonna be some people who are like super freaking intense about it, and they're like all gung ho. They're lifting <laughs> three hundred pounds over their head, and you're gonna be like, yeah. I can't do that. And I'll it's stay like, away
2: from that. I want to get <laughs> into and it's like, this,
0: but you don't have to do that, right. right? Like like you you need to follow the CrossFit journey that you're on. And again, a lot of people look at like the top level athletes and the people competing at the CrossFit games are like, "Oh, I can't do that. It's like, you don't need to, right? That's like like imagine watching um, NBA basketball. you watch the, the you know the finals and you're like, "Oh, I can't dunk. It's like, yeah, but you can still play basketball, right? You can still dribble around and shoot and have fun with your friends. That's exactly like CrossFit, you don't look at like the top top people and say, "Oh, I can't do handstand walks. It's like, yeah, you're not expected to. It's okay a good coach and a good gym is going to scale it down and modify it so that you get a version of that.
1: Wow. Mark my words. I'll try a class before the end of this year. <laughs> Do it. I'm sending. Yeah. I'll- That's a long time. In the next six months, I'll try a class. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
0: And you need to like, I mean, let me know how it goes because I'll put you this way. The amount of people in my family or extended friend group that I've been able to convince, like, hey, just try it. Like on Carol's one, um, my uh my ex sister-in-law um i'm divorced now but um my ex sister-in-law ashley was like not competitive like doesn't like really doing any fitness like she was like no crossfit's not for me but i convinced her to try out crossfit when they were stationed in tennessee somewhere she became a coach she you know she started competing like she went from no that's not for me to like i love this like this is my life now so it's really cool to watch people who don't think they're gonna like I've seen I've seen the the skeptical look that Shelby's giving me right now. Like
2: <laughs> I'm not skeptical at all. Look.
0: Or just like I don't know if that's for me. I've seen that I'm so gonna, many times. <laughs> and then like just try it. And my whole like my theory or my um kind of motto is like fitness should be fun, right? Like fitness should be like the way that fitness works is you do it often. Right. So I don't care if it's Zumba, pickleball, that's my like new favorite. I love pickleball. Oh. <laughs> um, I don't care what it is, as long as you keep wanting to come back. And CrossFit has kind of like that special sauce that makes people want to come back all the time. Because You won't it's believe this, weird.
2: but I did CrossFit for like six months in high school.
0: Yeah, What? And did you like it? Yeah. Yeah.
2: He was so intense. His name was Steven. Yeah. It was me, Cole, and Quarter. Really? Two of my best friends. Wait, where? Is there a gym around here? It was, we had like private training with him. Oh, wow. <laughs> this was back, like, I played sports my whole life. So, like, this was back in high school mm-hmm. when I was, like, playing sports intense, And we had Steven, our private trainer, and, God, it was hard. <laughs> but he, like, whooped us. Yeah. Like, we were just getting beat every day. So, oh my God. I've done it. And, like, I love working out. I just Man. don't prioritize it right yeah. now because my store is, like, Oof. taking over. <laughs> yeah,
0: I believe it. I believe it. And, again, it's, like, I'm never there, there are definitely CrossFitters out there like CrossFit's the only way. It's like, it's no, life. it's not the only yeah. way. There's so many other fitness domains that you can do. It's just the one, it's the one that really worked for me. Um, I like the competitive nature of it. And even people who aren't very competitive a lot of times find their competitive streak when they get into the gym. And they're like, I that girl beat me I by you
1: will. That I'm girl like,
0: beat me by 10 <laughs> seconds the other day. Like, and she's in this class. No, I'm gonna beat her today. I see. Like,
1: I, I I was never like good at sports, but I am like competitive in other things like business or like when I'm at Orange Theory, I'll look at someone's treadmill and be like, oh, they're running at 11. Like, let me, let me just 11.1. Oh, yeah. You're going to, yeah. Yeah.
0: You would yeah, probably yeah. like it. Well,
1: I, I'll i have to try because I have three gym memberships right now to try to like switch it up. And I do like a bunch of different stuff, but I'm not picking up tires or anything. Sure. <laughs> so, I mean, and
0: that's like...
1: I know that's just a small piece. That's one it, thing. It, yeah, it
0: is. Like, I can't even... I don't even remember the last time I flipped a tire at CrossFit. <laughs> yeah, right? I just
1: like to flip the whole car, actually. I flip the tire.
0: <laughs> but that's, I think, kind of one of the things is is with CrossFit. In theory, you do, won't need all those other gym memberships, right? Like it, a good CrossFit gym kind of covers all of the bases. So you're gonna get some running in. You're gonna like you probably won't get swimming in, like that. Most CrossFit gyms. I swam this a morning. It's,
1: yeah, I could keep that membership.
0: But otherwise, it's like it kind of covers all of the all of the bases. You're doing a little gymnastics. You're doing cardio, you're doing lifting, you're doing like everything. And then it'll be combined in different ways that keep it novel and exciting. And and where like my company comes in is when people are like, oh man, I'm starting to like this, but I why can't I figure out how to do the double unders like with the jump rope? Or why can't I figure out how to do a pull up? That's where they come to Watt Prep because they start realizing they love CrossFit, they want to get better, they want to learn the skills so they can beat Cheryl you know, so Cheryl stops oh. stops beating me in class, and that's where they'll come and they'll find wad prep is like they want to learn all these little skills and they want to do a little bit of extra homework and a little bit of extra practice to get better in the crossfit gym.
2: Wow, oh. I have a side note. This is just so unrelated. This can be cut if it's not a part of it. Yeah. You said Cheryl. My boyfriend's grandma calls me Cheryl. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> she and she calls like every other significant other like a different name. Like she can't get it right.
1: That's like my dad. He can't remember anyone's name either, even my best friends. Like So when you said Cheryl, I was like, that's funny. But
2: okay, well,
0: Cheryl Shelby. Same yeah.
2: thing. I was like close enough, like it's fine. I don't even correct her anymore. Um but I want to know where you grew up, how your athletic journey, fitness journey kind yeah, of Yeah, were grew. you always
1: like this or were you just, you know, like a troubled kid and then found fitness? So you know, that's a story.
0: Super troubled. No, I um I grew up in a great household, uh, two younger brothers, and I always played basketball, football, soccer, baseball. I did it all. Um, played basketball at a pretty high level. Um, like I played with a b- bunch of future NBA people. Did you when play I was in college? Younger. I didn't. Um, I probably could have played basketball at like a smaller school, and I could have played football at a smaller school because I was pretty good at both of those. But I'm not necessarily. I'm not huge, right? I'm 5'9, so um I probably wasn't going to go D1 for either of those. But Where did you go to college? I went to North Carolina State for their uh, fishing team, actually. Oh my
1: gosh. Wow. Wait, wait, wait. What? They have a fishing team?
0: Yep, so I got That's recruited. That's so cool.
1: You get recruited for I a got, got, wait, fishing where team. Ben should have been there.
0: Yeah. Oh my gosh. So I got recruited to basically in high school, I was playing all these sports pretty high level but then I also had my other passion, which was bass fishing. And I found like the junior tournament trail and fished a bunch of tournaments ended up doing pretty well in that. And at about that time, um, 2006, 2007, um, that's when college bass fishing was like really taking off. And it's when schools around the nation, I I mean, including uh, Wisconsin like every every big school you can possibly think of has a fishing team
1: wait question what do you think about that um, fishing champion that was like putting weights in the fish <laughs> yeah I mean that's <laughs> was that you that was wild. no that was
0: not me um, <laughs> okay just checking. that was a walleye tournament <laughs> oh um, so b- different than bass but yeah I mean cheating happens at especially like the local level like you got a bunch of old guys on these
2: <laughs> they were like ready to picket fence yeah like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was like someone video. on fire that was crazy
0: yeah um, so in high school, I had done pretty well in a couple like big junior tournaments. And then I randomly had this guy reach out to me from NC state. And he was like, Hey, I'm the faculty advisor for the bass fishing team. We'd love it if you, you know, would maybe come fish for our team. Um, so I got kind of recruited because he's actually one of the, uh, he was a teacher, uh, or a professor in, in the ag school or something like that. Anyway, long story short. I went, I visited, I saw all the lakes. I met people on the fishing team and I was like, yeah, sure. So it's the only school I applied to. I got in and uh, and then I ended up winning a lot of money for the fishing team at, at college because it's a club sport. So especially back then, you know, NCAA rules, you couldn't make money, but because it was a club sport, you could. Wow. So I uh, ended up winning... Eighty nine. It was either eighty-nine or ninety-six. I can't remember. Thousand dollars in college uh bass fishing.
1: Uh, I'm about to throw in the I want a, want a what boat and everything. It was I was in the wrong. Yeah. Wait, wait. So you did you go what was your major then?
0: Fishing. Uh, business management.
1: Ah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Fish. Fish. Like Barbie. <laughs> Have you
2: seen the Barbie movie?
0: I have not seen (laughs) Barbenheimer yet. I haven't seen either of them.
2: You'll understand (laughs) when you watch it. Yeah. Yeah. And you will too. Your job is fish. That's (laughs) it. Just fish. Okay. Wow. That's That's crazy.
1: Yeah. Okay. So then, so like, were you fishing in the mornings and then working out at nights, or how did that?
0: No, in, uh, talking about in college?
1: Yeah. Wait. So uh, you said you were always an athletic person doing all the sports, but then your sport of choice was do you consider bass fishing a sport? Is that sport?
0: It is, but not necessarily. Like you don't necessarily have to be athletic. Okay. Um, But it still is a sport because you're competing and there's rules and everything. But basically, when I I went to North Carolina State for the fishing team, and while I was there, I was I was pretty much like you know you have to say in shape for the ladies, right? You know, it's like if I'm gonna find a nice Southern belle, I got to be <gasps> oh my in shape. Gosh. So I would, you know, like period, I'd sporadically like go work out for like a couple weeks at a time and then just be so burnt out because I was doing traditional like, you know, what everyone else is doing. Like, let's do some bench and some whatever, like trying to get big. Skipping leg
1: day. It was just, yeah.
0: And it was just (laughs) so boring. So I would work out for maybe like two weeks and then not work out for a month and then work out for a week. And then, you know, so it was just like very inconsistent. And then I remember when I was back home, The first Christmas break of college, so my freshman year, I went back home and one of my former high school teachers was like, Ben, I think you're going to like this. I found this new workout routine. It's called CrossFit. They got these crazy (laughs) pull-ups and all you got to do is go to CrossFit.com and then just do the workout and it's awesome. And I was like, okay. So I tried it and I remember the first workout that I did, um, I like... One I threw up. Oh right. Because oh. I, I did it in my parents' like kitchen. We had like a little pull-up bar like in the doorway or whatever. And the workout had pull-ups in it. So normally what I do is I have this huge protein smoothie and then work out. That's what I was doing, you know, because I was doing more bodybuilding stuff sporadically at the time. So of course, I have my big protein smoothie and then work out at a very high intensity. And then yeah, it didn't didn't sit very well. <laughs> Believe it or not, you should not chug a an enormous smoothie two minutes before exercising, believe it or not.
1: Take note on that.
0: Um, Yeah, don't do that. So I tried it. I was like, man, that was hard. And then I went online and I saw people who were like posting the results of that workout. And there was like, like everyone was beating me. Like everyone got better times than me. And I was like, you're telling me this 18-year-old is beating me
1: at this (laughs) workout?
0: Are you kidding me? Or this 52-year-old is beating me in this workout? I'm like, what? So I did it again the next day. Threw up again.
1: Wow. How you were working out by yourself and you pushed yourself that hard. You were able to do that. Yes.
0: But again, wow. I did chug oh, a did. 32 ounce smoothie again, right? And then we'll I realized I need to stop doing that. But basically what it showed me is one, I wasn't as fit as I thought I was, because all these people were posting these scores that were like crushing my time. And two, I was just like, oh, that was cool. I did a different, like today was very different than the day before. So that kind of got me curious and interested. So then when I went back to school, I just started doing CrossFit at the North Carolina State gym. And it was funny because back then, like not many people were doing it, but like you'd see, you like see some guy in the corner doing, you know, kipping pull-ups or doing handstand push-ups or like doing some weird stuff. And you're like, you doing CrossFit? It's like, yeah. (laughs) It was like kind of like, it was like a cult back then, like, like grassroots. So eventually like... I recruited a couple of my buddies, one 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 guy on the fishing team and a few other friends that I was playing like intramural sports with. And I just kind of like de facto became the CrossFit coach. We'd meet at like noon in between classes and like go work out and because I've been doing CrossFit like 2 weeks longer than everyone else, <laughs> I was the one in charge. And I'd like come up with a workout or we'd find a workout online and do it and it was it was awesome. And then that's kind of what we just kind of had a little group that was doing it and I just kept doing it all through college and then eventually found a, uh, an actual like CrossFit gym in Raleigh that had just opened. And, uh, I went there and eventually, you know, I realized how not good at CrossFit I was when I was around real CrossFitters. (laughs) Basically after going to that gym, like I had to like scrape together all my pennies and I would be like, I can only afford like one month every three months, you know, kind of thing. So they like worked with me on the the pricing and I got this like membership that I would use for a month and then I'd have to like go save up more money to pay for the next month. And uh, eventually one of the coaches there was just like, hey, like I really like your energy in the class. I like your, like you're good. You're pretty good at this stuff. Are you interested in ever becoming a coach? And my mom, all, I think my mom knew that I wasn't going to make the NBA. Long before I did, but she was well. always like, she was like Ben. If basketball doesn't work out, I think you'd be a great coach. So I think that was like in the back Aww. of my head. So when I got asked to be a, like, hey, are you interested in getting your certification and maybe coaching here at this gym? I was like, you know what? Maybe I should try that. And then that's kind of what kicked off the. I was doing CrossFit, competing in CrossFit. You know, by the end of college, I gotten pretty good at it. All this is all while I'm doing the fishing team stuff. So it was like fishing team, intramural sports, but CrossFit was probably equal with with fishing. And uh I eventually became a coach at the local gym and people really really liked coming to my classes and then that's kind of what sparked like the idea of me being a coach. So in college I also took this random class it was called ENT201 which was entrepreneurship. I literally didn't even know what that meant.
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah. I had
0: no idea what the word entrepreneur meant. It was a long word that I didn't understand and the only reason I took the class is because the my faculty or my advisor was just like, Yeah, so there's this new class. You might be interested. It's a cute young teacher. I'm like, sign me up. Yeah, I'm oh, in. <laughs> cool. Um, and uh I signed up for it. And I remember the first day of entrepreneurship class, she like just talks about what entrepreneurship is. And like I'm surrounded by all these people who like they hate school, they hate homework, and they've always made money by like weird means, you know, like you know, freaking lemonade stands, food trucks, selling jewelry, like all this random stuff. And I was like, oh snap, I've been doing that my whole life. Like I was selling basketball cards when I was a kid. I was oh selling gosh. rocks that I found in my backyard to kids in my <laughs> <Been> neighborhood. <there. laughs> like literally like I hustled like my, like friends oh in my, my neighborhood, gosh, you know, out of money to buy these like Fancy rocks. shiny rocks Wait, that I had found. Wait, that's so funny.
1: We've talked about that in a earlier episode because you used to st- sell wing bats, what, ding bats. bats. I sold a lot of stuff.
0: Yeah, and like and I, I didn't did know I was an entrepreneur. <laughs> yeah, but like once I learned what an entrepreneur was, I was like, oh, I've been doing this my whole life, and I didn't even realize it. Like even way back when, like when I was in elementary school, my mom would give me like a dollar twenty five to get the school lunch, but all my friends would never finish their food. Mm. So I would just pocket the 125, <laughs> and then just like get donations from all my friends. I'm like, "Yo, you gotta finish that." You know, Wait, you get like that? that. <laughs> and like that's how I started making money. Was like I pocket my my lunch money and then eat. Did my your friend's mom food. know that? No, absolutely not.
1: Is this when she hears this? Is this gonna be the first time?
0: No, she'd probably be proud of me. She'd probably just be like, you know, <laughs> that's
1: hey, if my kid did that, I'd be like,
2: okay,
0: yeah, it's, like it's, it's cunning, it's thrifty, right? Yeah. So uh, I guess when I took that entrepreneurship class, even though I didn't know what it meant. I was just like, oh my gosh, these are my people. Like, this is where I belong. And then in that class, actually, um, the second iteration, like the next level of that class, the following year ended up writing a business plan for starting a CrossFit gym. Wow. And then right when I got out of college again, it was like, do I try to go fish the professional bass fishing tour? Or do I like maybe try opening a CrossFit gym? And the stars aligned where I was eventually able to open a CrossFit gym with one of my buddies from high school. And, uh, moved back to Maryland, where I was from, lived in my parents' house, started CrossFit gym, and then kind of the rest is history.
1: So one of the things I think is interesting that you said is your two options were CrossFit, CrossFit gym or Bass Fisher. And for me, and I think Shelby too, my thought was always corporate or corporate. Like there, there wasn't, so it's really cool that your paths were so unique. Do you feel like your parents pushed you to do cool things like that? Or how did, that's just cool.
0: I think it was, it was in my DNA, Um, so ever since I was young, like really young, I was always a dreamer. I was like, I was going to be an NBA basketball player. My parents never shut that down, even though in the back of their head, you know, my dad's five, seven, my mom's five, four, right? (laughs) I'm five, nine. So like I won technically, but, (laughs) um, I think in the back of their heads, they knew that that was probably never going to happen, but they never shut it down. So because of that, I've always been like a dreamer. I've always been like, I can do it right. If I work hard enough, I can do anything. I never, I had a really supportive family in that way. When I was in college for one of the summers, I worked at my dad's office as like a de facto secretor- secretary slash inventory person. Was he an entrepreneur? No, he he's an engineer. No, he's, he's a, a career man for sure. Um, but I remember working out that office and going in at the same time every day and leaving the same time every day. Three days in, I was like, I would rather be homeless living under a bridge <laughs> than to have to work a job like this. No offense, dad, but like I can't do this. Like I would go absolutely insane working a real job. So like I knew that no matter what I did in life, it was gonna be something that I enjoyed and it was not probably gonna be normal. Um, so I like had that in me. And like the next summer, I like ran a shark fishing guide company, like wow. living at the oh, beach. So like gosh. I've always it's just been a part of me. Like, I, I I, always knew that there was absolutely no chance ever that I would live a normal life where I do a nine-to-five job. I knew it, like, it was it was ingrained in me. Wow. And I was literally prepared to be homeless. If, oh if my gosh. Like, if... <laughs> or if,
2: shark guide on the beach. Right. Yeah. Like, I was
0: going to find a way to, to make money doing what I wanted, not make money just to make ends meet. When I got out of college, it was like, I had those two options. It was like, pro-bass fisherman or or maybe start a CrossFit gym. The stars aligned where the CrossFit gym thing seemed to line up. I had a friend from high school who basically was like, "Hey, I'm thinking of maybe starting a gym in my basement. Are you interested in like helping me with that?" I was like, "Yeah, man, like I'll help coach." He's like, "No, I want you to like run the company with me." Like cuz I don't know what I'm doing. You know a lot more about it cuz you've been working at this actual CrossFit gym for a while. And I was like, "Yeah, let's do it." So we started like like, investigating, like, how much is it going to cost. Um, luckily, he was basically one of his friends' dad is super, super wealthy, like, super high-level entrepreneur that has made millions and millions and millions and millions of dollars. And when he got word that we were, like, trying to start this gym in the community, he's like, he's like, all right, boys, what do you need? <laughs> and we're like, and we're like, uh, you know, I don't know, <laughs> let's price everything out. And basically, we determined that about $30,000 is what we needed for equipment to get started and like first month's rent. And I remember the guy showed up um, with a 30 pack of Bud Light and he's just like, you know, all right, what do you guys need? And we kind of like walked him through, like, here's what we're doing. He kind of like, I was like, do you want me to write a business plan? He's like, He's oh my he's like, God no, no. in the world. He's like, no one does that. And I'm like, all right. No, um,
1: that's kind of it.
0: And he's literally like, he's like, all right, I'm going to write you a check. I'm going to give you a little bit more. So he wrote us a check for $33,000. Oh. And he's like, just pay me back when you can. And I was like, do you want equity? Yeah. Do you want <laughs> how much? And he's like, he's like, I don't want anything other than if you can pay me back the money at some point, that would be nice. And he stroked us a check for that. So, like, oh
1: my God. I know,
0: I, that is, like, if you want to talk about privilege, right? It's like, yeah, like, I know that I've lived such a privileged life. Like, I got lucky that my parents were always supportive. Um, I got very lucky that I grew up in a neighborhood that had people that were affluent enough to stroke a $33,000 check, you yeah. know? Like, no
2: sweat off his back. Yeah, right. I mean, that's pretty crazy. Wow, that is that's wa- awesome.
0: Yeah, basically, he stroked us that, that check. We bought the equipment. We found a lease. Um, my uncle, he's like a... Super hotshot lawyer, so he was the most aggressive, like lease negotiator of all time. Oh you gosh. know, like I was yeah. just like, I'll call
2: him next time. Yeah,
0: <laughs> I was just like, oh yeah, I'll sign the lease. And then Uncle Rusty came in and oh. just like shredded it. And like by the end of the negotiations for this like lease, the <laughs> the guy who was like renting us our first place was like, like I'll lease it to you. I just never want to talk to Uncle Rusty again. Oh my like, god! Because <laughs> he's like he's a savage. Um, yeah. he's he's a bit of a shark. Um, anyway. So we got the equipment, we got the lease, we had like, you know, enough cash for like a couple months of runway, and then we just started hustling. We just started promoting the heck out of this gym. We eventually, we ran a Groupon, we did a deal in the beginning. What year was this, 20? This was 2014. Okay. 2014, uh, in the summer is when we, you know, like started getting everything together. And then I think we officially opened September of 2014, And basically our game plan was like, let's start by, we'll have like founders pricing. So these original members, we're going to give them a great deal. And uh, we're even like, just to get some cash to afford the affiliation fee, which was $3,000 a year with CrossFit and to afford like buying new equipment and expanding, we're going to like, Hey, you want to join our gym? Like we'll give you a year membership for $600. And they're like, Okay. Yeah,
1: here. yeah. Shoot. So we got
0: so we got like these big, big chunks of money in in the beginning that we could use to buy more equipment and like kind of like build us a bit of padding. And then honestly, by the end of the second month, we were cash flow positive. Wow. Um, because we were just hustling and and getting members any way that we could. We ended up running like a Groupon deal back in the day when those were super popular. Yeah. I think it was actually Living Social was the one oh. that we did. And what's crazy is. To this day, at that gym, there are still probably fifteen members from that original living social deal, oh including the gym owner wow. like the person who owns the gym now came in wow from v- the group yeah from the group <laughs> owner from the living social, so we just we did whatever it took to get cash flow and then just kind of kept growing from there and what's cool is that like I was never a um I always prided myself in high school that I could get A's and never actually read a single word of the book that I was writing about. I was a big SparkNotes guy. I would outsource the work sometimes, uh, <laughs> which is called cheating in high school, but <laughs> oh, in the real business world, it. it's yeah. called outsourcing, right? Like, this is all I do anymore is outsource, <laughs> I
1: outsource things all the time in high right? school. It's too. legal
0: when you're running a business. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, what's interesting though is that when I started the CrossFit gym, I had no idea what to do with the finances. Like, we just had, we had no clue what we were doing. And I found some podcasts about CrossFit gym business that I started listening to. Oh, wow. And they were talking about books that they read. And I was like, books? Books? I don't read books. (laughs) Like, I'm not a book guy. And then what's crazy is, like, because of the business, I turned into a voracious reader. Like, I started devout, like, I read my first business book and I was like, whoa. These ideas are crazy. And then I read another one. Oh my God. And I just like, I realized how in order to stay in business, I was going to have to educate myself on business. And then that turned me into like this nerd, you know, (laughs) where I just, I read so many books. I was always coming up with business ideas. Like one a
1: week or like what is so many At
0: least. Um, Really? Oh my gosh. Yeah. I mean, it was like podcasts. It was, it started with podcasts, but then it turned into just books and then, It was a mix of both. And it was just, I was always looking for more information. How can I grow the business? How can I use ideas from other businesses to, you know, integrate into mine? I started learning about internet marketing, like basically like how you can sell things via email to people who are on your email list. And I remember the first like email launch that I did was we ran like a specialty weightlifting seminar for our members where it's like, Hey, you already have a membership, but we have a coach who's going to teach you how to do the Olympic lifts. So snatch, clean and jerk, which is, you know, that's like, that's a whole sport in itself is Olympic lifting. We sold this, this like six week seminar for like 150 bucks. And I remember like, I wrote all these emails, kind of designed them like these entrepreneurs that I had studied, how they wrote their launch emails. And I remember I I filled all 10 spots of the seminar with the first email.
1: Oh, like, wow.
0: Holy crap. I just sold, I just sold, you know, however many thousands of dollars worth of extra membership to our current members via the internet when I was in Florida, actually, because I was engaged at the time. I had started spending a lot of time in Florida because my fiance, now ex-wife, she was in flight school for the Navy. And when I when that happened and I was like, I just sold things on the internet to people who trust me, but I wasn't even there and made thousands of dollars. That's when it was like, wait a minute, I think I can I can do this. Like I can do I can sell stuff on the internet. So when it became apparent that I was probably going to get engaged and I was probably going to have to you know move around the world because uh, Shelby, my ex, was in the Navy, I was like, I guess I need to start something on the internet. So. As I was phasing myself out of the CrossFit gym that I had started, I was like, what can I do on the internet? And I was like, well, people say that I'm really good at CrossFit coaching, right? Maybe I should just go with that. So I, that's what kind of led me to start WOD prep is like, I was realizing that I couldn't run a CrossFit gym from, you know, Timbuktu, right? My relationship with the other guy who was running, it wasn't going so hot because he was the one waking up, coaching the classes, working all day. And I was just the idea guy writing emails. It just, it wasn't working. So, I eventually was just like, "Hey, if you want to buy me out of my fifty percent, like I'll let you do it as long as you want. Just give me payments, and then we'll just, you know, get bought out, or I'll get bought out of my shares." And then as that was happening, that's when I just started making videos. For I just looked up a bunch of random CrossFit terms, and eventually settled on Wad Prep because the domain was available, and the you know the Facebook page was available or whatever, and um, and that's what led me into Wad prep is like, I was phasing myself out of the CrossFit gym. I was getting bought out from that. I realized like an early um, business guru that I followed was like, you gotta have an email list. Like it's the number one selling tool. You have to have an email list. So that's what I did is I would just post free videos on the internet, tell people to sign up for my email list to get extra tips. And my email list started growing. And then eventually what happened was, this was sometime in like 2015, the guy who was buying me out just stopped making payments, you know? Um, and he was just like, yeah, like things are tight. I don't think you're doing anything. I'm just going to stop paying you. And because I didn't have any like legal contract or anything oh, like- like no the,
1: operation agreement. With no,
0: him. it was just like we were bros, right? We were friends. So I didn't realize he was going to screw me out of $25,000 or whatever it was that he still owed me. But- you know, my wife at the time was just so pissed off. She was like, you should sue him. Like you can go, you can, you know, technically claim ownership of the gym again and then sell it, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, 10 of my relatives go to that gym, right? If I go and shut the gym down, who is that going to help? Right? Yeah, I'd make a little bit of money, but I'm not going to do that. So I was just like, all right, I'm not getting paid anymore. It's time to start making money on the internet. So that's what like me being kind of screwed out of that buyout. Wow. Is what basically was just like, I need to start making money on my own. Right. My, st-
1: oh, sorry. No. Are you still friends with your the old business partner? I am.
0: I am. Oh, I like I could have I viewed it as like I could I had every legal right to go after this guy. I could, I don't know, I could fight him in court and I would win, especially with Uncle Rusty on my team. Yeah. <laughs> but I was like, okay, I would gain. maybe a little bit more, but I would lose Aunt Carol and Aunt Jane probably going to this CrossFit gym. I would lose.
2: Gammy.
0: Gammy's (laughs) membership. membership. Um, No, I already canceled it. (laughs) But like this community that we had started was so amazing and beautiful. It was like, I could kill it and make some money off of it probably. Or I could just be like, all right, man, like lesson learned, whatever. And then focus all my energy on, on making my own money and not having to rely on the buyout of the gym. So that's that's what I did. I was like, I basically, I think I took the high road where I was just like, I don't want to, I don't want to not be friends with you. Um, no. I don't want to. Oh, that's a very high road. <laughs> yeah. So I did that. And, uh, and then that's what made me kind of go all, I just put all of my eggs into the WOD prep basket and slowly but surely started making money on the internet that way. Doing the same thing where I would build this email list. And then, I would sell them, you know, some video product that I would make. Like, how to, I remember the first course that I ever sold was an eight-week video. Basically, it was like a video school online of how to do a muscle up. Muscle up is when you pull yourself up onto the rings, and then you can transition over it into a dip. Right? It's like a very—it's an advanced movement that a lot of people can't do. I was really good at teaching it. I had this email list of a, maybe a couple thousand people at the time, so I was like guess i'll just try to make a course and sell it to them and then i still remember like i stayed up all night you know crafting the first email i was so afraid to sell to these people on my email list cuz i'd never sold them anything yet and i stayed up all night i made sure all the website was working it was the ugliest website in the history of websites i made sure everything was working i sent the first email i it was like probably 6am i pulled an all nighter to like write the email make sure everything was working you know, I would stopped getting my buyout from the gym, so I was just like, "I this needs to work, or I'm, you know, not going to be bringing in any money." And my my wife at the time was very supportive, but she's also like, "All right, what are you doing all day? Right? <laughs> You're playing on the internet and drawing diagrams on on a whiteboard about how this business is going to work." And I remember I sent sent this email trying to sell this course. Went to sleep at like seven a.m. or something like that, and then like woke up like a you know kid on Christmas at like eleven a.m. Woke up, like, refreshed my email, hoping to see a bunch of sales come through. Nothing.
1: Oh, man. I was just...
0: (laughs) Nothing. Zero. I it was going
1: to be sold out or something.
0: Not a single person had bought. And I was just like... That was, like, one of the lowest points in my life where I was just like, man, I thought this was going to work. It's not going to work.
1: It it had only been, like, three hours, though.
0: It had been three hours, but, like, I don't know. Like, someone should have bought it by then. You know, basically, I was convinced, like, all right, it didn't work. Shoot. Maybe I'm going to have to like I'm pretty sure like the day before or a couple of days before my my, uh, my wife at the time who had just come in from like learning how to fly helicopters all day, came in and I'm like, you know, like taking a nap on the couch or something like that. And she woke me up and she says like, you need to go get a job. Like it's time for you to go oh. get a job. But like there's a Costco, maybe Target. Oh. And that pissed me off so much because I'm like, I don't do jobs. <laughs> um, but anyway, like I sent that email, went to bed, woke up two hours later, not a single sale. And then I was just like, crap, I guess I'm going to have to go get a real job. Went back to bed and then uh, ended up like waking up to her coming home at like 3 p.m. or something like that. Woke up. She's, you know, all, like pissy. Like, it's 3 p.m. What are you doing sleeping? <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, you know, whatever, long story. And I like refreshed my email that time and I had made like five sales or something Ooh. like that. And then immediately I was just like, all you know it went from like
2: i'm good the lowest of lows
0: <laughs> yeah. to just like i just sold you know 150 200 dollars worth of stuff to people that i literally do not know I love like that. all these names i'm like i have no idea who that is i don't know who that is i don't know who that is and i'm like this is going to freaking work so i sent a few more emails and then i ended up making a few hundred dollars or whatever on that on that first product within the first week and then i was like this is it I just keep doing this, growing my email list, making videos to get people to sign up for my email list and then sell them products that I make. I can do this. And fast forward, I guess, eight years, seven, seven years is what you said. And now we're doing over a million dollars in sales every single year. And
2: oh my gosh. Is that all from like online? Mm -hmm. Yeah, like ebooks. It's all all online.
0: It's all, you know, it turned from that one product to I made another product about a different skill in CrossFit. And then I made another one, another one, another one, another one. So now we have like 30 courses. And then now I have entire other branches of the company. I have like- merch. Right? We have everything now. So it's just like, basically it was like, just that confidence of getting those first few sales. That was, I went from like, oh man, this isn't going to work. I guess I should do something else to, it's time. It's all, I'm all in. And I just kind of rinsed. I rinsed and repeated that same process over and over Email list kept growing. All the social media stuff kept growing. And yeah, and then the business just kept growing. And then eventually I started hiring and it just, yeah.
2: What kind of advice do you have for people that maybe want to get started selling online different courses or just in general? I mean, I sell, I ship, like people buy stuff online for things like that. And also for growing your social media because you have some pretty big pages. Yeah,
1: you have a lot of like viral ready content from what I've seen on Facebook. Like how do you you have like a formula that, that you... Do that or how does that work?
0: So, for I guess two part question is like, all right, if you're trying to start, if you're trying to sell things on the internet, the number one most important thing is people have to like know, like, and trust you. So, that all stems from your content. Like, what kind of content are you putting out there? If you try to start selling stuff on the internet and you're like, hey, everyone, I have something for sale, buy it. You'll be like, no,
2: I'm not buying that.
0: (laughs) One, who are you? Why should I trust you? I'm not going to buy anything from you. Like, you're some random stranger, especially when your web page was like mine. There's like a 90% chance you're going to get scammed because it <laughs> looked terrible, right? There was no yeah. trust factor. So for me to make the trust factor, it was like all the content I make, I want people to watch that content and be like, whoa, this is awesome. I need to learn more from this guy. So I think to answer your question, Shelby, it's like if you're trying to start on the internet, especially if you're selling information, you have to build up a brand loyalty. You have to like put your best foot forward, make the best content that you can possibly create. And that's the public free-facing content because then people are going to watch that. They're going to get value from it. And then the people who find a lot of value from it are like, I want more of this. I want more of this. I want more of this. And then eventually you can actually sell them a full product. So that that's the key there. And then in terms of viral content, when I started making content, all I thought about it was like, what can I make that is going to be so good that when people watch it, they're like, yo, you got to see this, right? Like, that's it. That was like, that's the formula is like, when you make content, it should be remarkable because whether it's funny or if it's like really interesting information or unique or like a different angle, like, you want to make it so that it has a viral coefficient like you like if you watch it i want you to share it with three friends because when they watch it they're probably going to share it with three friends and so on and so forth so like it's not necessarily a formula you don't know what content's going to hit but if you keep swinging eventually you're going to hit a home run i remember i was in japan actually cuz that's where my ex and i moved uh once we were in we were in i was in maryland then i moved to florida and then we moved to san diego cuz i was her next level of flight school and then we actually wanted her like or like tour which was in Japan. So we moved to Japan. So I was living in Japan on a military base still kind of like grinding trying to make wad prep work like wasn't making that much money, but I was hustling, take making content, trying all sorts of things. Do you guys remember when Facebook was just all it was was food porn videos? Do you remember yeah, that where that's it was all like Well,
1: it still is for me. Where <laughs> it was like it
0: was like the overhead video of like how to make, you know, Triple Oreo
1: from Tasty ice,
0: ice cream pudding, pudding yeah. or something like that. From yeah, Tasty or whatever. And these videos were just going viral, every one of them. I had a, a business mentor at the time that was just like, Hey, these videos are clearly what the internet wants right now. How can you do this in your industry? So that got my gears turning. So I just started making videos kind of like that, like really short, shareable content. And I remember I made a bunch of videos, they did okay. And then there was one video about how to basically unload weights from a barbell. It was just like, if you have a barbell, it's got weights on it. How do you actually unload it without looking like an idiot or hurting the barbell? A lot of people do it wrong. So I had this video, it was horribly produced. It was the ugliest video of all time. I almost didn't release it, but it was like the end, like I made like maybe like 10 or 15 videos that I all self-shot. I had edited them all myself there's probably like typos in it too like it was terrible but like i got to the end of this like bunch of videos that i had shot and edited and i had this one that i was like, ah, it's just like this one's the worst Yeah, whatever i'll release it screw it let's do it right hey. you know? um and i um i released it and in japan like you're going to bed when america's waking up so i posted it right before i went to bed and i woke up the next morning i remember it was like early february or whatever it was that barbell unloading video I woke up the next morning and I looked at my phone and I was like, what just happened? Overnight in Japan, so during the day, that video had gotten 650,000 views in oh like eight hours oh on Facebook. Gosh. Yeah. And that was like, that That was it. Like that was the hockey stick moment where I was just like, <laughs> social media was exploding. Email list was exploding. I'm like, I can do this. And then gosh. I just rinsed and repeated and things blew up from there. Oh, man.
1: He'd be making some viral content with yeah. charcuterie boards. I have, two, I, I have two things, but they weren't really charcuterie and cheese. They're just like that Culver's thing. Yeah. And the Bush thing. But
0: and unrelated. The, the thing with viral content is like you don't know what's going to go viral. Like, I mean, I was about to not release that video. If I had never released that video, I don't know if Wad Prep would still be here.
1: My God. Because
0: it was a grind. Like I was, you know, I was making some money, but it was tough. But one when I found when that one went viral, it was like. I just started making lots of that same piece. So, you know, it's like, oh, the internet likes this one. Okay. How can I make more like this? What was
1: the next one then?
0: I don't even remember what the next one was, but if, that year I had so many viral videos because I just kept, and I kept leveling up my editing. I eventually, my first hire was a video editor because I would spend like eight hours just making one stupid 30 second video. Yeah, yeah. I had a video editor that I brought on who lived on the military base. And, um... And then that allowed me to increase my output because all I had to do was film and then they were doing the editing. So that increased my output. And again, the more swings you take, the more hits you're going to have, right? If you never swing, you're never going to have a hit. So if you only go and make, you're like, make one video and release it. Oh, it didn't go viral. Okay, that doesn't work. It's like wrong. Sounds like my mentality. (laughs) It's like I had to make 30 and then have one go viral. And then the next group, it was maybe like 15 and one would go viral. And then it was like, Every fifth video would go viral. And then, of course, at some point, Facebook change their algorithms and none of them go viral. So it's just like in the content game, you need to see what's working now, emulate that, and then also be prepared to completely pivot when eventually that one doesn't work anymore. Right? So there's all these different, you know, you have to follow the trends and and realize what's working and what's not. And if you don't keep making content, then you will eventually die. So that was it. It's like, Wadprep is essentially a content production company that has coaching on the back end and that's that's how we succeed.
1: Wow. When you've mentioned a couple of times like it was a grind, it was a grind. How many years was it a grind before you're like, "Oh, it's finally working?"
0: It was probably like a, a year and a half. Year and a half of of just like, I don't know if this is going to work. I don't know if this is going to work. Like made that that first sale that I told you about um in San Diego. But it was still like really tough after that. Like some things would flop. Most things would flop. Some things would hit. And then finally, like once that viral video took off and I started making more, once I had that video editor so I could produce more content and then I could actually focus on like, it's one thing to make a bunch of free content. It's like, well, what are they going to buy from you? So then I actually got to start making products and and the email list was growing. Eventually I got the email list to like 20,000 and that was when I was like, all right, I really need to focus on actually selling stuff. But I still remember like back back in the good old days, um, I had an email list of about 20,000. I got this, my buddy to come in with me and make this like this course on how to increase your shoulder mobility. So it's like, oh, I can't lift my arm above my head. After the course, you can, you know, that kind of thing. And I remember... I like built it up. I, you know, spent a lot of time and effort like teasing the course and, and getting people excited, excited about it. And I sold it and I, I limited it to 100 people to buy it, even though it's an internet course, like everyone can buy it. But I just, I put a little limitation on it. Like only hundred people get it because it's our first test of this course. I remember I sent one email to that email list of 20,000 people and I sold $50,000 in one email.
1: Oh my gosh, I am so dead.
0: And oh my god, and that, that like when that happened, I was just like, "Oh yeah, it's time." Like, like, it. like, like I found it. This is legit. And I actually, wow. like, I'm pretty sure that one. And then even the next launch, I like, like I didn't know what to do with all that cash, right? So I hired maybe like one or two other people. I paid off all of my excess student loans, like in like one click. I was just like, "These are gone." Paid them all off. Um, and it was just kind of like again, just rinse and repeat the same process over and over and over. And yeah. I need to subscribe to this email list. <laughs> I need to. <laughs> see Put this goodness. this.
1: Jeez. Yeah. That is crazy. Oh my god, We're going to be like eating a meat and then doing the CrossFit stuff. <laughs> oh my gosh. I know. I'm about to transform my life after this. Oh, that's <laughs> great. <laughs> I was going to ask you your morning routine, but you said you sleep like until super late. Do you have a routine? Is that okay? No question for that. We're not going to. I mean, you
0: can. I I love, I think people obsess about morning routines when it's like, that's not like, yeah, if you want to set yourself up for a great day and you're a person of routine, you got to have the same, like have a morning routine. But the amount of stress that I used to have, like trying to be like, oh my gosh, this entrepreneur does these 10 things before 5 a.m. I need to do that because that's going to make me successful. And I, you know, would sacrifice sleep to get up early because that's what you're supposed to do as an entrepreneur. And I would try to, I wanted to be like the good entrepreneur. I wanted to hustle like everyone else. When I finally realized, it's like, screw that. I don't need to do that. Like I'm going to sleep because that's, I feel way better when I get a full eight hours of sleep.
2: I I identify with that as well. Yeah, like
0: you don't have to do it like all like I used to be all about the hustle culture, right? And I probably needed that early on. It's like you can always work a little harder. You can always work a little harder. But at some point that shifted to like no, I don't have to do that. Like I can sleep in, wake up and not meditate for 10 minutes and still have a great day, right? Like so like I used to subscribe to the hustle culture, the Gary Vee, like, and nothing wrong with him, but like, there's a lot of weight put on this idea of like, you need to sacrifice sleep. You need to sacrifice health. You need to be a miserable person to get your business to be successful. I work better when I'm really happy. So I do what makes me happy. I play a lot. I don't work that much. Like I, I, I play a lot so that when I do bring energy to work, it's the right energy. It's not like this. I'm not a slave to my own company. Oh, man. And that's that's been big for me. Is like, I don't have a morning routine. Like, some days I wake up and I shoot my bow in the backyard. Some days I wake <laughs> up and I... It's so too th-
2: familiar. And my boyfriend's name is Ben as well. Nice. So oh my. <laughs> Wait a second. That's- it's weird. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even think
0: about there that. There some days wh- I don't set an alarm. Like if I don't have a morning meeting or anything like that. I Retweet. Just let- oh my I let gosh. my body sleep as late as it wants. And sometimes it's 11 a.m.
2: I feel seen right now. Wow. Normally I-, I feel judged by yes, this one yes, every day. I normally I- do. She I- judges me every day. <laughs> oh it took me
0: a long time to get out of this like... Like me being angry at myself for not being a good productive entrepreneur. But once I realized it's like in entrepreneurship, you can run it however you want, however you want. If that means working till 2am and then sleeping until noon, then do it. Right. It It really, it doesn't matter as long as like, if you're doing it on your terms with the, and you're, and you're having fun. Like for me, I have to play. Like I play pickleball all the time. I hunt all the time. I'm I'm always doing a mountain biking. I'm always doing stuff that has absolutely nothing to do with the business because it gives me the energy when I do come and work in the business to to do it. If I had to if I was still grinding like I was back then where it's like I woke up in the morning and all I did was work on the business all day long. That's what I wanted to do at the time, but as soon as I lost that energy, if I had forced myself to do it, then I would be miserable. But I'm not. I I literally I, as an entrepreneur, it's like you have to figure out where your energy comes from and you have to protect it at all costs. So that's what I do. And that's why like I mean a lot of my friends joke they're like do you ever work? I'm like not really. But when I do it's really good, right? Um and I think that's something in the entrepreneurship community that is like the hustle porn, the hustle culture that is like it's too ingrained, I think. Um yeah, you need to hustle to get things started. But once you have things started, you can really design a life that that protects your energy at all costs.
2: Wow! You've also like earned that though. Cause I noticed now like my business is doing well, going steady, like, and I have a team that can handle it, but I feel guilty when I'm not there. And I like try to like go to my pool for a few hours or like do something for me. And then I'm like, but wait, everyone's working. Shouldn't I be there? And I'm like, no, like yeah. I worked really hard for the last like four years. So it's okay if I, want to stay here and not work
0: today literally what employees are for right yeah um they they know that when i show up i'm gonna show up in my best capacity which for me right now it's like what i do for work is i come up with like the vision and the direction of the company and then i show up and and i'm in front of the camera for the videos that's about it everyone else does everything else.
1: Wow. I love that. And
0: I don't even know how most of it works. Like, I don't know how my company runs that much because I have an operations manager. I have an operations director who runs everything and he, you know, has everyone organized and does all the reporting and blah, 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 all that stuff that I used to force myself to do. But once you get your business to the point where like, I don't like this part of my business. You just hire someone to do it. And then it's off your hands. Yes. And that's going to free up time. It's going to free up mental capacity so that you can show up in wherever your best thing in the business is, which for me is like still writing emails and standing in front of a camera. That's it. And relations with other companies, like that's it. That's all I do. Wow. That and it, is amazing. Putting I mean on
1: podcasts. Yeah. Like ours. Oh my gosh. <laughs> wow, you're you're like speaking to me in a in a different way. Where you're like, speaking to me. A, I feel like I relate to you. I think we're, yeah, I feel like I'm getting spoken to in a different way because I feel like for the past year, I've been, I mean, I've been grinding since the beginning, but the past year, like the journey to the storefront, my storefront's opening next month, has been a grind. Like I have said multiple times over the past year, like this isn't fun right now. Like there are some months where, you know, I wake up and I'm in, mean, I'm just working all day long for 16 hours. And I keep thinking like, okay, I'm, I'm working towards something bigger. When I have the storefront, I'll have the team that runs and, you know, like the machine that runs on its own, and then I'll be the director of it. But I just can't wait to get there because it's been such a grind. And that's why, like, I'm I'm taking this jump. And I know even with you, having the storefront has taken a load. I mean, it's been a lot of work, but it's taken so much off of you. You have hired a cake decorator. You haven't made a cake in the longest time I of your life. You have
2: 18 employees now. So 18? I'm like,
1: oh, woo. Yeah, so I'm like <laughs> I'm like at one and a half right now, but with the storefront, I'll have ten. So I'm like, oh my gosh, life is gonna be so different. But I've been in, yeah, I've been in a grind for some time, and I'm really hoping this is a breakthrough. <laughs>
0: there's a, there's a light at the end of the tunnel as long as you don't get caught up in. I think a lot of entrepreneurs, it's like they open that storefront and it. It's going well. And they're like, well, I gotta open another one. And I gotta, I have to make more and more and more and more and more. And for some people, that's great. They want to build these unbelievably huge empires. But in that pursuit, you also need to realize that like you will never be out of the hustle, right? You'll never be out of it. And for me, I've like reached this kind of like equilibrium where it's like my quality of life is amazing. I could you know, try to build another company or I could try to scale this company to $10 million instead of a million dollars, like 10 exit. I could do a lot of things, but I'd also have to sacrifice the playtime and what I love to do. And I think it's been really mature of me as a business owner to not get caught up in like, oh, I want to buy a bigger house or I want to get these fancy cars and I want to compete with the Joneses because you're never going to like, once you make a million dollars. Which was like always my dream. Like that's what I wrote down originally in the in the my goals like way back when. I have all these journals that I still have of like, you I love know, that. Same. these these aspirational goals that like I didn't know if I was ever going to meet. It's your choice whether or not you want to keep going and just keep going like this and climbing and climbing and climbing. But you realize you're never going to get off that treadmill. It's the hedonic treadmill. Like your car is never going to be fast enough, or your, you know, your house isn't going to be big enough, or your top-line revenue is never going to be big enough because once you make a million dollars, like, well, we need to make 10 now or I need oh, to make man. 100, when is right? Oh, man, you enough that's enough. so, that yeah, is, that's,
2: that's so that's
1: true. But
0: when you, can, wow. when you can actually realize that, like, enough is enough, like, they, like, as long as I'm keeping up with inflation, like, I feed so many families with my company. They're all here for the CrossFit Games or most of them are here for the CrossFit Games because we're all friends. We love what we do. It's like I could scale up the company more, but like I would lose the the awesome culture probably that we have, and I'm sure there's all kinds of limiting beliefs coming into play. But like, when I finally sat back and realized like this is everything I dreamed of, like this is awesome. I don't have to try to get bigger just to flex on people. Like, oh I'm, man, <laughs> I'm good. Like yeah. things are great. I I'm literally, I will be. Not working a single day for the month of September because I will be living in the woods. <laughs> that is a business that I built, and if I tried to scale and grow and do, like I probably wouldn't be able to do that. And for now, that's what I want to do. So it's like it's when you realize enough is enough, and you can just like be calm with that and not let the entrepreneurial devil on your shoulder say you're never good enough. Like, you need to do oh, more. Man, you're not big that, enough. I
1: need to flick that thing off. I have definitely. Found you have that,
0: to figure yeah. out like like define like where is enough. And then when you have enough, like, chill for a little bit. I know that at some point, probably, I'm going to be so fired up to go start something new or to scale or to grow, but I'm not forcing myself to do that because it's not what I want to do right now. And I'm not going to let the the online entrepreneur influencers say that you're not like, you need to do this next. I don't want to work all day. In fact, I don't want to work at all. Like, I want to play. <laughs> and right now, I can do that. And I work a little bit and I show up and I do it. but. You just gotta. You have to like be very conscious on that entrepreneurial journey of like when is enough, when you when are you solid, when your metrics good, when your finance is good, to where you can just like enjoy the fruits of your labor, and that's kind of the phase that I'm in now. And it's I'm very happy that I was able to realize that and not just keep grinding for the rest of my life and then realize like yeah I built a really big company but I didn't play along the way, I didn't get to spend time with friends, I didn't get to build a family, I didn't get to do all these things. It's like, I want to have the fun that I've always been having since I was a little kid. Like I want to make sure that I can still do that now because being a slave to a company that you've built is just like working for a corporation. It's just one that you might own. So I think it's really important to make sure that you protect the, whatever it is you want to do with your time. And for some people that's work all day and that's great. And that used to be me. But if at some point you find yourself miserable along the process, You have to say, is this the trajectory I'm on for the rest of my life, or is this a phase that eventually, when you get those people hired and things start working, you actually are going to take that time and like spend it on you and and get to be the the owner, not the operator.
1: Mm -hmm. That was so good. Yeah. Wow. That spoke to me. Yeah. This (laughs) is. I mean, and I have so many journals from. You know, I go through one every couple of months, and I think back. I'll look back at my first one from 2020 when I started my business. I'm like, oh wow, all my biggest. Dreams at the time are as big as I could dream then. It's like, I've done most of those things now. But then I realized, oh, okay, well, I actually need to, well, I'm adding more to the plate I, out of necessity, but also because I just like to push the limit. But I have asked myself, like, when is enough going to be enough? Since I have felt a little bit.
0: In order for me to get to that point where I was like, <sighs> like, I'm good for now, right? I had, I had to look back at those journals and be like, wait a minute, what was the original goal here? It's like, oh, wow. I'm there. I did it. Like, I don't necessarily have to force myself to create a new, crazy, higher aspirational goal. Like everyone says that you have to in entrepreneurship. It's like, you don't have to grow a $10 million business. You can grow a $1 million business and love your life, feed families, make a positive impact, and have a kick-ass time. Kick-butt time. <laughs> Dolphin noises. Um <laughs> So I think it's really important, like, to reflect on, like, what are those original goals? And, like, when you get there, celebrate them and, like, live them. Don't immediately be like, I mean, we probably, all three of us are the same way, probably, where we achieve a goal. We're like, all right, what's next? Rather than like, ah, I did it. did it. Good (laughs) job, me. Yay. Therapy has helped a lot with that.
1: Yeah. (laughs) That's so funny. After I swam this morning, I literally said out loud in the car, good job, Teresa. And I said, thank you.
0: Yeah, that's excellent. (laughs) I
1: felt that way. Like recently
2: I like showed, so the first two months I have, the amount of sales we've done is like more than I ever thought like I could even do. And then like, I send it to like my family group chat. I'm like, can you believe this? And my family's like, oh my God, that's amazing. Like whatever. And I'm like, I don't tell myself that I'm like, okay, well, if my first thought was I can do that, that's really good. But what else can I do? Like, that's more than I ever thought, but I can probably double that. Yeah, that's exactly. That's like, what I don't even like say like, good job. And then I hear my mom like being like, oh my God, that's amazing. Like, so we're so happy. Like, and I'm like, oh wait, like maybe I should like take a minute and be like happy yeah. <laughs> that I did this. Yeah. You know?
1: Well, I was jazzed out of my mind. I told my whole extended family about how you're, well you're doing.
0: <laughs> I mean, it's, it, it, it's a double-edged sword because it's like that, ex- that mindset is exactly what made us successful. However. If you don't keep that mindset in check, oh yeah, you'll never feel successful right what's like
1: my God what's
0: the point of it's so hard of building a yeah. successful company if you never realize that you've built a successful company right if you're always like, well, it's not big enough, I can do more, I can do more that is what makes you thrive and achieve, which is good so you don't ever want to get rid of that, but if you don't keep it in check, then you're going to be a miserable, really rich entrepreneur, which there's so many of them out there, right? Like in the public limelight, but, you know, probably hundreds of thousands more X that in the private that have built these empires and they're just like miserable, right? So don't do that. It's like, use that edge that you have to achieve, but also don't forget to enjoy your achievements. And it's a very delicate balance.
1: Wow, you have such a fresh energy. I just love that. Uh, That's really great.
0: We just talked about like, Therapy, right? Like going to therapy. So, one thing that I realized that I do in all of my life, I was talking to my therapist the other day about this, is like, so I do a bunch of backcountry snowboarding in Colorado. And there was one time where I told him about this trip that I went on. It was amazing. It was, you know, I was with my friends. The weather was beautiful, it was outstanding. And we climbed to this peak, and it's like, it's the most beautiful view you've ever seen, the best conditions you've ever seen. And all I could focus on on that trip was like, but we could go to that peak.
1: Oh my God.
0: But the people with me couldn't make it. They couldn't get that far. And I was like, and all I focused on and it took away from the experience was how I was just like, yeah, but that one would have been so much better. And I brought that to therapy and he just like, I kind of glazed over it and he just, he's like, nope, we're going to stop and we're going to talk about that. And I have chills all over my body because I was like, oh my gosh, like that's how I've lived all of my life is focusing on like what, like, it could be 99% perfect. And all I'm focused on is that 1% that could have been more perfect. Wait, we
1: literally just talked about this last week. I, at my last job, I was in a kind of aggressive like tech role. And I would have 50 things at the beginning of the week. And I'd get done with 49. And they would always focus on the one. They would focus on the one. So then I was always focused on the one. So I would beat myself up. And I've, I've been doing that. I realize I've been doing that lately. I've been getting back into that mindset where it's like, well, why couldn't I achieve that one thing? I'm doing so many other things, but I'm too busy looking at the thing I didn't or couldn't do.
0: <sighs> so my therapist is really helping me reflect and look at the 99% that is perfect. And I think that's a really good carryover to business too. Is like, there's always going to be the 1% or more that isn't there that you can fix. And you you do need to have some attention on it. But if you lose sight of the 99%, then you're, you're really setting yourself up for a miserable existence.
1: Do you have like a mantra that you have to repeat to yourself to like, focused on that?
0: No, but I probably should. Okay. Um, <laughs> we're not big mantra guys, me and my therapist, but it, but that's just something that like focus on the good, not the bad. In fact, segueing into books, one of my favorite books that I've read in recent years is um, The Gap and the Gain. And it's a book by Dan Sullivan and Benjamin Hardy. And it's a book that talks about like basically you're in life most people are focused on the gap, like where they are and where they're not, and they frustrate on all of the the gap in their life rather than all of the gain that they have, like all of the good things, all of the positives and the entire book beats you over the head's phenomenal read about like living a gain mindset rather than a gap mindset rather than focusing on always what you're missing, focus more on what you have and what you've gained you'll live a better life that's happier and the, a lot of the data shows that that's actually going to make you more successful.
2: Do you have other books? Yes. Just Yeah. That Life-changing books. Uh, yeah. Just I a I read couple. a
0: lot of books, but uh, Gap in the Game is a really good one for me. Um, in terms of business books, Profit First, which is actually here on the bookshelf behind me, I read that. It's one of the few books that like, I read it and then I immediately applied it to my business and have been doing that ever since. And it helps you keep profit in your business, know what to do with your cash, make sure you have enough money for taxes, all those things. So, Profit First is a huge one. Uh, More of a lifestyle book is Essentialism by Greg McCown. And that's just about living a life of an essentialist. Basically, it's like how to discern the vital few from the trivial many. There's always so many things for you to do, but what are the core things that are are meaningful in your life and to really focus on them? Because there's always, like, especially with social media, there's always like, oh my gosh they're going on this crazy vacation over here. Maybe I should do that. Or like, they got this car. Like, I want that car. And it's just like, you get caught up in this chasing of everything that you don't need rather than just focusing on what your vital few is to live a really good life. Um, So that's a really good book. And then uh, one of my most recent reads that was mind-blowing, and I'm reading it again, is called 4,000 Weeks. It's a time management book, Oh, but it's not a time management book like you think. Basically, it's like, our entire lives are like fighting, right? It's like, we got deadlines. Like, we got to be done here soon because we got this thing coming. And it's just like, our whole life is designed around time and how we battle time and try to squeeze as much out of it. And the book flips that on its head. And basically is it's an amazing book about just how to live a life that doesn't fight time and just experiences time and wow. like slows down a little bit more. Um, and that's it's a really, really good book.
2: That's great. I'm gonna read all of them. Yeah, we so, should read some and then do like a book discussion. Yeah, we for should one do a of little episodes. book club. Yeah, that, would, that actually,
0: would actually be fun. And then I have one more. Ooh, this is uh, this is one that I read really early in my entrepreneurial journey, and it's the reason. It's like you can turn any day into product, any day productive. Actually, two more. The one thing is about basically like in any given day, there's a million things to do, but if you focus on your core, te- like the biggest task of the day, and devote anywhere from 60 to 90 minutes of completely uninterrupted focus on that one task, you will be wildly productive. And I've done that a lot where it's like, yeah, I can do a million things in one day and I have all these emails and blah, 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 blah to do. All that's BS, frankly. But if you focus on like what is the big task and block out time when you're at your highest energy to do that task, that's what's going to make you truly productive and not just someone who's good at juggling. So that's a big one. And then on top of that is the book, Deep Work by Cal Newport. That's I've read that several times and it just talks about like, we live in a distracted society, right? Like our phones are buzzing, like even in the podcast, right? Like we got (laughs) things that are pulling our attention away. And that book goes deep into like, what true deep focused work can get you. If I do 30 minutes or one hour of truly uninterrupted, 100% focus on one task, the amount that you can get done will thwart Anyone who's doing eight hours of like, oh, I'm doing a little bit of this, but I gotta respond to this, and then I'm doing this, and then oh, what are they doing? You know, it's just like you get nothing done. You're going you're getting progress in a million different directions rather than significant progress on one project in one direction. And deep work stacked with the one thing is like the perfect combo for people who are their own bosses because you get to set your schedule, how you're gonna use your time. Um so yeah, those are those are my big books.
2: Wow. Wonderful.
1: This is insane. <laughs> Thank you. I can't wait to hear this episode and listen back for myself. I know, really. This is like one of my favorites. Yeah, this, this is, is awesome. really, really yeah. good. Wow.
0: Thank you okay. so much. Yeah. Where yeah. Fun. can
2: these people find you? So you're in Colorado, but where can everyone find you?
0: Um, so if you want to talk to me, Instagram is one of the few places that I actually still respond to messages. I quit email two years ago. Oh. I just stopped responding. Um, <laughs> okay. It doesn't, you know, sometimes people are like, yo, why haven't you responded to my email? I'm like, for this exact reason. I knew you'd reach out some other way. <laughs> you know, like, um, but uh, the best way to reach me is probably uh, just at WODPREP on Instagram. If you want to message me, um, obviously you can see all of our business content on there. And then I do post some personal stuff, you know, in the stories. It's still me in there. And then if you want to check out the website and see how that's structured, just go to wadprep.com. And then pretty much all social media, we're just at WAD Prep, And it's also me.
1: Awesome. Cool.
0: And I have a LinkedIn, apparently.
1: Yeah, I do. I'm going to send a connection. Do whatever you do
0: on LinkedIn. I've never logged in, but... (laughs) Oh,
1: my gosh.
2: Well, then we can't connect with you. You have to approve it.
0: Yeah, well, someone on my team will do it.
2: Okay, I'll add you today.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But Instagram is the best way to to chat with me because that's one of the few things I still do. And I'm sure I'll quit that at one day, but...
1: Okay. Oh my gosh, we'll we're gonna find have to you send in the woods. An owl yeah. yeah, we'll
2: find you in the woods. You can
0: write me a letter. Oh
2: my yeah. gosh, that would be that'd be wild. You can find this podcast at Screw It. Let's do this. That's, That's it. it. On Instagram, Spotify, anywhere
1: you listen, YouTube. YouTube. YouTube is the best place to listen, watch, and everyone. If you are not already subscribed, tell your moms to subscribe. Tell your Gammy Carols to subscribe. And tell Gammy to subscribe. Because she once will. we, oh, praise God, literally, because once we get to a thousand subscribers, we have a surprise. Yeah, something surprise special. So something. yeah, you can find me at Mickey's Bakes and you can find me at Tricky Foods. Thanks, you guys. We'll see, see you later. next Wednesday. Bye.